Well, it's good to be here this morning. Um, so yeah, I'm Mark Fran. I live down in Urbandale, and I'm married, have two boys, um, a fifth grader, and going into third grade. Everyone always says they, they grow up quick, and they do. So, um, so yeah, I serve with the FCA Central team under Mike Shields, um, and so a lot of what I do is basically just coming alongside and serving churches um, in any way that I can. And so it's been a blessing uh, to be up here a little bit more the last month. Um, and the biggest thing I've noticed with my interaction with um, your elders here and the staff is you have elders and you have a lot of staff that really love you guys a lot. Um, it comes out in the way they speak and the way they talk and the way they pray. Um, and I, my heart has been encouraged just seeing their heart for the congregation. Um, so today we're going to be in uh, Mark chapter 4. And I'm just going to open us up again with prayer um, as you guys are turning there. God, we just thank you so much um, that you are a good God. We thank you that you are our Father and that you provide for us. And we thank you so much for your word. Your word reveals your character to us so that we can know you. And today we just ask that you would reveal your character and your heart to us and that your word would come alive so that we could just um, truly feel um, your heart for us this morning. We pray all these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, it was uh, a day like one you've experienced many times. You and the rest of the disciples are on a beach, and Jesus is beginning to teach. And as he begins to teach, the same thing that always happens happened this day, and the masses begin to descend down upon Jesus. Pretty soon, the entire beach is covered with people, and then the hillside begins to, to crowd out, and then people want to hear better, so it gets tighter and tighter and tighter, and before you know it, it's like one of those subways in Japan where no one can move, and Jesus is like, we need, we need a little bit more room here, and he looks around, he sees a boat. He says, let's, let's just go back on the boat. And so you and the rest of the disciples get out on the boat, and Jesus stands up on the stern of it, and he begins to teach. He begins to teach about the kingdom of God. And the hillside is full of people listening. He teaches all day long. And throughout the day, you're amazed at his teaching. But at the end of the day, as it begins to get dusk and the sun begins to go down over the hill, Jesus is like, hey guys, you need to head home now. That's it for today. Thank you all for coming. Um, but I'm tired and you need to get home and get some food. And so he sends the people away, and then he turns around, and he looks at you and the rest of the disciples and said, hey, we're going to be going across the sea tonight to this town. Do you think you can handle that? And of course, half of the disciples with you grew up their whole life on the water. Their dads were fishermen. Their, their grandfathers were fishermen. And they're very confident on the water. They're like, yeah, yeah, we got this. You can take your nap. And so Jesus lays down. And you guys head out on the sea, and you and the rest of the disciples begin to discuss his teaching from the day. And you just continue to just kind of mull over, what do you think he meant by that? I loved how he said that. And as you guys are just continuing to kind of float across the water, you begin to feel this slight breeze pick up. And then it gets a little bit stronger. And then it gets a little bit stronger. Pretty soon you're like, that's, that's not a breeze, that's That's wind. And then the wind begins to move the water. And the boat begins to sway and rock. And pretty soon, the wind is strong enough where there's little waves hitting the side of your boat. 
You look over at some of the fishermen's face because you know they know what they're doing and you're like, should I be worried? And, And you see anxious faces. In that moment, anxiety begins to swell up inside of your stomach as you realize, oh, if, if they're scared, I should probably be scared. And then the waves just continue to get bigger and bigger. Before you know it, the waves are now crashing over the side, and your sandals are now completely submerged in water. The, the fishermen in the boat begin to give orders basically about, okay, well, how we need to make sure that when these waves get big, we're staying straight in this way so they don't capsize us. And everyone's beginning to get tense. The wind continues to howl stronger and stronger and stronger. And then boom, lightning cracks across the sky and a cold, wet downpour begins. In this moment, the fishermen begin barking out orders, throwing buckets around. People are grabbing buckets and having to scoop water out as waves continue to crash over the side. Each wave will hit the boat and and shake it so bad that if anyone's standing up to scoop water out, they'll fall over. People are beginning to already get bruises. You fall over, hit your head. In this moment, the waves continue to build and build, and the boat continues to fill with water. What used to be your, your ankles submerged in water, it was then your shins, then your knees, And it begins to settle in very quickly that you realize there's too much water coming in. The storm continues to rage violently, and you do your best to scoop out water and scoop out water, scoop out water, and all the rest of the disciples are trying to make sure the boat doesn't capsize, and everyone's kind of yelling commands around, and everyone's getting frustrated and anxious and tired. And the storm goes on and on and on. And as it continues to lag, you begin to feel the fatigue set into your muscles. It's getting harder and harder now to scoop out the water. You notice that the people who are on the oars are beginning to slow down their pace. Reality is beginning to set in. It doesn't feel like this storm is going to stop anytime soon. And in a gale this violent, swimming to shore is highly unlikely. You begin to basically ponder your own mortality in this moment. You begin to think of friends and family. And as you look around the boat at all of the disciples, you see exhaustion on everybody's face. Everybody's emotional. Everybody's worn out. Everybody's tired. Everybody's scared. And as you scan the boat, all of a sudden, your eyes are fixed on Jesus. And he is asleep. And in that moment, you have this fury of all these emotions that rise up inside of you. The first one being shock and surprise and a little bit of amazement that he could have stayed asleep. And the next one is is anger. Why Why is he asleep? How, How could he be asleep? How how is this possible? And you begin to look around and all of the disciples kind of have this, they're all staring at Jesus now. Like, what is going on? To finally one of the more bold disciples goes over there and actually shakes him and goes, Jesus, what are you doing? 
Don't, don't, don't you care? Don't you care that we're about to die? And Jesus stands up, and he looks at all of the soaking wet, tired, fatigued, fearful disciples. And he looks out over the water and says, peace, be still. And in an instant, the wind that has been howling for who knows how long loses its sound, loses its steam, and dissipates. And the waves that have been crashing over the side, filling the boat, flatten out into the absence of a ripple. The rain ceases and the lightning stops. The storm is gone. And Jesus once again fixes his eyes on you and the disciples. And he said, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? With this, you and the rest of the disciples are in shock. And one of the disciples leans over and whispers to you, who, who can do this? Who can command nature and it listens to him? In this moment, you have a moment of realization. The one who commands the sea, the one who commands the wind and the waves, the one who controls creation is standing in front of you, looking you in the eyes and asking you, why so little faith? Do you still not have faith? Our passage from today is Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. It says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea Obey him. I love when thinking about the word of God, like actually pausing long enough as we read through it to think about what would it have been like to experience this? Because it's so easy and it's so often to, to come to the word of God, especially if you've been to church your whole life or you regularly attend and you know these stories well, to just kind of read through and go, yep, yep, there was a storm. <laughs> and then the disciples, they had little faith. I mean, come on, I wouldn't have had little faith. And just to kind of read it in this tone of going, yep, matter of fact, move on to the next story. But when we pause and we think about what would it have been like to endure that, to sit there and to feel the emotion that the disciples would have felt, to feel their fear, to feel the water over their ankles and their shins and their knees beginning to feel and that hopelessness and that fear. It just so often can bring us into this passage and it can help us 
basically come alive so we can truly allow it to speak to our hearts. And today what we want to ask is the question, why does God allow storms? Why does he allow storms and trials and hardships and tribulations, whether it's big or it's small? Why does God allow these things to happen? And what can we learn in them? And so that's what we want to do. We just want to dive into this passage and ask these questions. And so the first thing we want to do is we want to think about the disciples who were in the boat with Jesus and ask the question, what would it have been like for them to experience this? And so as we kind of imagine this, what I want us to do is I want us to think about what it would have been like if Jesus had not fallen asleep. So I want us to think Jesus awake in the boat. And so to think about this, I just want to picture them all on the side of the sea. Jesus is done teaching for the day. He sends everyone away and he turns around and he says to the disciples, half of them being fishermen, hey, we're going to go across to this town. You got that? And they all respond with confidence. Yeah, we got that. My dad, my grandpa, my great-grandpa, they were all fishermen. I, I, I literally was born on the water. A similar comparison would be if people from Minnesota, you know, they were born with their ice skates or their skis, and, and that's they always, you know, like, this has been my whole life. And, and so these fishermen are like, yeah, we, we got this. And he's like, you sure? Yeah, yeah, we got this. Okay. And so as they set out over the, the water, and the wind begins to pick up, and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger to the point where it's beginning to howl. And Jesus goes, hey, 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 that wind, it's a little loud in my ears right now kind of making this howling noise. Do you think you could quiet that down a little bit? And they're like, well, no, I, I can't do that. Oh, okay. And then the wind begins to make waves. And the waves get bigger and bigger, and they start crashing over the side. And Jesus is like, hey, hey, guys. <laughs> so there's a little splash hitting me. Um, it's kind of make it hard to relax. You think you could kind of keep the waves down a little bit? And they're like, well, no, we, we, we can't do that. Like, oh, okay. And then the thunder and the lightning and the rain soaking them. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm getting a little wet. Do you think you could keep the rain down? Well, no, we don't, we don't have any control over that. You see, there's this progression that begins to take place where, where this storm begins to reveal to the disciples how little control they actually have. And that's what storms do where it's so easy in life to feel like we do have control, that we can make things happen. And when storms arise that are outside of our control, they very quickly reveal, whoa, there is a lot going on here that I don't have control over. And that's what begins to happen in the disciples. And when Jesus doesn't step in immediately because he's asleep, a progression begins to take place in the disciples' heart. And that progression, kind of as we, we played it out as we thought about this, is a few of the disciples, you know, are looking over to the, the fishermen going, are they anxious? Should I be anxious? And they're like, oh, well, they're, they're getting worried. They're whispering, I'm, I'm beginning to get worried. And, and then as this progression takes place where the storm gets bigger and bigger and bigger, we can all imagine what it would be like to be there. Being in a boat in the middle of a sea, in the middle of a storm, as water begins to rise. Do you know what else begins to rise? 
anxiety. And just that fear that takes over in those moments of what is going to happen? You see, that's this progression that takes place in the disciples' heart where anxiety builds to the point of fear, where they're all anxious. And when they finally do, basically, you can almost say lash out at Jesus, we see their emotion in their words. Don't you care that we're going to die? It wasn't a, hey, Jesus, just want to wake you up, kind of let you know that didn't know if you noticed, there's a storm going on right now. We could use some help. No, it was, don't you care that we're going to die? What comes out of their heart is fear. Matthew 12, 34 says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 15, 18 says, But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. Their words to Jesus, don't you care? It's basically this insight into their hearts. What is revealed is their lack of trust and faith in Jesus. In this moment, basically, as anxiety rises and as fear begins to build and the emotion of the moment takes over, basically their masks that we have it all together, we're in control, those masks come off and what's left is this raw emotion in survival mode. Their hearts are fully revealed to Jesus in this moment. And these are the hearts that Jesus speaks to saying, Have you still no faith? I love what Jesus does in this moment where he demonstrates to the disciples, I am worthy of your trust, even in this situation. When Jesus wakes up, I can imagine being on the boat, and as Jesus first wakes up after they say, don't you care that we're perishing? I can imagine one of the disciples taking an oar and be like, here, you're on oar duty. Or someone grabbing a bucket and being like, here, you scoop for a while. I can barely lift my arms. But Jesus doesn't do either of these things. He doesn't help in the way we would imagine him being able to help. Instead, he stands up, and in an instant, he removes the storm completely. In an instant, he reveals to them the one who controls creation is standing in front of you. The one who has the power over the wind, who speaks to the sea and the sky and the waves. He's standing in front of you. And he's been with you the entire time. But all of the disciples had to take their eyes off the storm before they fixed him on him. When Jesus calms this storm, it's as if his actions are speaking to the disciples, saying, let me show you that I am worthy of your trust, even in this situation. Uh, About seven years ago, uh, I went through the the most painful storm in my life. Uh, I was hired um, to be the new senior pastor of, of a church, and unbeknownst to me, I was hired at a church in the midst of conflict. Um, And behind the scenes, the the train had already come off the tracks, and it was just picking up speed. 
And it was only a few weeks before these things began to be very public. Um, and I remember I was only there seven weeks before um, in one of our leadership meetings, I received the worst tongue lashing I have ever received in my life. Um, and I remember going home and I just kind of had this expressionless look on my face. And my wife was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't think we're going to last till Christmas. Um, and we were hired in, in August. And that was just the beginning. It, it ended up lasting for about a whole year. And it was just like the disciples out there in the storm where every new circumstance, every new phone call, every new situation was like a new wave that was coming over the side. And at the very beginning, I, I could have seen myself like, oh, we got to talk to this person. We got to talk to this person. Running around basically trying to scoop water out. And we got we to keep this thing afloat. We got to move forward. And slowly, everyone's heart began to be exposed because everyone was going through it together. We were all tired. We were all exhausted. And I remember constantly the word of God beckoning me like a lighthouse. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And I remember once like sitting in my office kind of staring out and just going, really? Because right now it kind of feels like we're in a sinking boat. Don't you care? Don't you care that your disciples are struggling? That they're having a hard time? That we're all exhausted? Don't you, don't you just see this? And I can just see myself basically in this boat with these disciples going, that's how I feel. But what I didn't see at the time was what God was trying to do in me as we went through this. I remember one of the, the first times he revealed this to me. It was, it, as we went through this, basically every little thing turned into a big thing. And there was this one meeting we had, and we were discussing, above all things, the sign in front of the church. Yeah, it's always the important things. And, and the sign had been there for over a decade. The letters were falling off. You couldn't read it. It had the last pastor's name on it. So we, we needed to get a new sign, which we did. And someone's like, okay, well, what do we need to put on the sign? Like, the name of the church, uh, the phone number, the, the service times. And one of the guys goes, and the pastor's name. And I said, well, you know, I'd prefer my name not to be on there. Because it, it communicates that I'm more important than everyone else. That I do the ministry of this church. And that's just not biblically true. And I go into this explanation of it's my job to equip the people for the ministry. I'm like thinking, you know, I'm doing a good job explaining this. And I get done after about five minutes, pretty proud of myself. And he goes, your name's going on the sign. <laughs> no, I, I don't want it on the sign. And, and what followed was a very, very heated next hour. And I go out of that meeting just fuming. I go home fuming. I wake up the next morning fuming. And I start walking around town praying. And by praying, I just mean venting. Like, Jesus, can you believe this guy? Can you believe, like, I have all these biblical reasons, and this guy's doing this. And I just walk around for half an hour and vent and my frustration. And after I finally calm down, I hear this still small voice say, Mark, do you want to know what I think about the situation? It's like, yeah. Do you really think you're going to get to heaven and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to sit you down, I'm going to sit him down and go, hold on, guys. Before you come in, we got to talk about the sign. 
And it was just this moment of realization for me of like, wow, there are a whole lot of things that our church is arguing about that God doesn't care about. But what he does care about is how we treat one another. And there's this moment of realization for me that, wow, I have things in my heart that God is using this situation to bring my heart to the surface. And it's raw, and it's emotional, and I get angry quickly, and I've said some things I wish I wouldn't have said, but he's using it to conform me into the image of his son, where Christ is being formed in me. And I realized in this moment, man, I need to call this guy, and he apologized, which I did, and said, I am so sorry. Last night, I was not loving And there were some things that I said I shouldn't have said. And what was so beautiful in this moment was, uh, as it continued to go on for another year, but God did in other people's hearts what he was doing in my heart as well. And at the end of that year, basically, we had a church of people that came out of it looking like the disciples coming out of a storm, soaking wet head to toe, shivering cold, bruised up for from falling over and all the things we encountered, raw emotions, regretting many of the things we said in the heat of the moment, regretting how we felt towards other people because they likewise in the heat of the moment said things they wish they wouldn't have said. But God used that to bring our hearts to the surface and begin to work in us and form Christ in us. And after that, we had one of the most fruitful years of ministry the church had ever had. With people coming to know the Lord, uh, with reaching out and loving the community well like we have never done before there. And it was all because God used this storm to work on our hearts. Yes, the the storm did beat us down. It it did scrape us up. It it did bruise us. It, It did hurt us in many ways. But the storm allowed us to see Jesus in a way we never had before. It allowed the areas of our hearts where we did not have faith to come to the surface, and it forced us to ask the question, am I going to trust Jesus even in this situation? And as he began to settle that deep into our hearts, that's what opened the door for fruitful ministry, Because all of us trusted him in a new way, a way we would not have been able to had we not walked through that. As we begin to to wrap up and close, I just want to ask you guys a few questions. And the first one being, what are the storms that you're going through now or have gone through in your life? One of the amazing things, amazing in a bad way, about storms and tribulations and trials is you don't have to currently be going through it for it to be consuming and occupying a place in your mind. It could be 10 years ago, and it still lives here every day. What passages like this call us to is the reminder that all of us will likewise go through storms. We will go through hardships. We will go through trials. We will go through tribulations, and the same truth is always true for us. Jesus is always with us through it all. 
and he's always right next to us waiting for us to take our eyes off of the storm, off of the wind and the waves and the rain and the pain and the things that other disciples said in the heat of the moment, taking our eyes off of the entire situation and placing them on Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. What this passage today communicates to us is Jesus Christ is worthy of our trust, even in these situations. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much that you loved us enough to come down to earth, take on human flesh, and live a life here on earth so that we could know who you are and we could know your characteristics and we could know your love for us. We just ask that today your deep love for us would penetrate our hearts and that as we think about the the storms in our lives we're encountering now or we have in the past, that we would just go back and, and see those memories of you being with us and you being with us now. I ask that you would reveal to each one of us what is the work you desire to do in our hearts through this. In what way do you desire to reveal your character? In what way do you desire to form us into your image? We just thank you once again for your word. We pray all these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.